Good evening, brothers and sisters. I am very happy to see all of you here this evening on this I Gather night. And today's going to be a little bit special. If you guys have not noticed, there are some younger brothers and sisters here tonight. That is because our local Saturday school department is going to be leading service this evening. And so I ask all of you to please encourage them, please respect them, please appreciate them, pray for them, of course. But before we start, I want to read something very quickly. This is found in the first epistle of John. So the first John, chapter 1. Because if you guys remember, the topic or the series for this whole month is fellowship with God. And so last week we had the introduction by Alex Slobodyanik. But today we're going to get more in depth and we're going to look at God is light. And so 1 John chapter 1, and I want to read from verse... Verse 5, it says, This is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ his Son cleanses us from all sin. Amen. And I know... That here, especially the young preachers that are going to be speaking today, they're going to be a little bit nervous. I get nervous. I'm sweating right now. They're going to be sweating. They're going to be shaking. They're going to be stuttering. So please be kind to them. Be patient with them. Because I remember my first time. I remember my first sermon, believe it or not. And my knees were shaking, but no one could see because I had slacks on. And I remember just looking at the ground the whole time. And Slava Bogu to this day. I'm in youth, and I'm speaking here by God's grace. So that took years, by the way, if you didn't realize. That took many years. And so be patient with them, I ask you. But going back to this topic of God is light, we, we had our classroom, and we made a little list with the boys and the girls. And we said this, how is God light? How is God different from us? If you remember, Alex was saying, when we sing Holy, 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 what we're really saying is different, different, different. God, you are different from us. And so in our list, we came up with three things, for the most part, three major things. God is pure, God is holy, and God is sinless. And who are we? What can we do as humans, as fleshly sinful people to have a relationship with a God like that? How can we have a relationship with a God that is so different, different, different from us? A God that is holy and pure and sinless, and I am evil and wicked and unrighteous. How could I have a relationship with a God like that? And everyone, of course, knows through Jesus Christ, we can have fellowship with this God that is so different from us. This God came down as a human. He came down as a son of man, just like us, and he lived a perfect, spotless, clean life, and he took the punishment that we deserved. And by his grace, we are now saved by faith, not of works, not that any man could boast, but by grace we have been saved. By faith, we are made righteous. Slava Bogu. And so with that in mind, worship group, whoever is prepared, stand up. Before they sing, we'll pray, of course, so everyone can stand up, I guess we could say. 
Let's all stand up. And worship group, you prepare yourselves. You get ready. You set yourselves up, and we'll pray. Lord God, we thank you for this evening that you've blessed us with, my God, that you've given us this great opportunity to serve, my God. The Saturday school department is here, Father, and we want to glorify you in the service, my God. Through the worship, through the sermons, through the praise, we want you to be lifted high and your name to be glorified in this place, God. I thank you for this opportunity. I thank you for the mercy and the grace that you've shown us, Lord, that on this day we live and we breathe and we stand in your church, my God in fellowship and in unity, my God. Lord, you are so different from us, my God. We are so different from you, Lord, and we cannot hope to please you, my God. We cannot hope to stand in your presence, Lord, but through the blood of Jesus Christ, my God, we can be justified, Lord. We can come before you boldly, my God, because it is not our righteousness. It is the righteousness of your Son, Jesus Christ, my God, that perfect, spotless Lamb of God. Slava to be Lord. You truly are light, my God. And if we wish to walk in your presence, God, we too must walk in light, my God. But to do that, Lord, we must confess our sins, my God. We must admit, Lord, that we need you, Father, that we are hopeless without you, my God, that we are sinners and that we have walked in darkness from the day of our births, my God. Lord, our flesh has battled, Lord God, and it has won. We have been sold as slaves to sin, Lord. But the second we put our faith in you, my God, you send your Holy Spirit, my God, and there is now a new law inside of us, my God. The inward man is restored, Lord, and we have become slaves to righteousness, my God. We thank you, Father, and we thank you, Lord. Bless this evening's service, my God. Speak to our hearts. Open our eyes. Open our ears, my God, that we might receive from you tonight, my God. You are worthy and we will glorify you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Praise the Lord, brothers and sisters. Today I will be preaching about faith. You all probably know what faith is. It is believing without seeing. But faith is actually a very important thing in our Christian life. If you have your Bibles, please open up to Romans 3, 28. Romans chapter 3, verse 28. Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. In this verse, it says that we are justified by faith and not our deeds. We might be a good person, helping others, maybe even giving homeless people money. But if we don't have faith in our life, our life isn't justified. In Mark 11:27, Jesus also tells us to have faith in God. The reason Jesus tells us to have faith in God is because if you don't have faith, then you can't believe in him. Because faith is believing without seeing, and God is an invisible God. So if you don't have faith, you don't believe in him. And if you don't believe in God, then you can't be a Christian. Now open up to Ephesians 6:16. 6, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 16. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. In this verse, it says that faith is a shield. In war, shield is a very important tool, especially back then. The shield was a tool you could use to defend yourself against arrows and swords. Without the shield, it was pretty easy to pierce the rest of the armor. So faith is a shield against Satan's fiery arrows, and without it, you can't defend yourself. So let us be good Christians and have faith in God no matter the circumstances. Amen.
Praise God, brothers and sisters. It's an honor to be here this Tuesday night. Uh, today I'm going to be talking about forgiveness, and there's two types of forgivenesses. Um, one of them is you forgiving your brother and God forgiving you. Uh, if you don't forgive your brother, God can't forgive you. Can you please turn to Luke chapter 17, verse 3 and 4? Luke chapter 17, verse 3 and 4. Take heed to yourself. If your brother sins against you, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in a day, and seven times in a day returns to you, saying, I repent, you shall forgive him. This verse is talking about, or these verses, is talking about where if your brother sins seven times in a day, you should forgive him. For an example, uh, me and my sister get in an argument once in a while. She forgives me, and I forgive her. Can you please turn to 1 John chapter 1, verse 9? First John chapter 1, verse 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, and he cleanses us from all unrighteousness. This verse is talking about where if you confess your sins, God is faithful, and he will keep us, all, he will keep us from all unrighteousness. So if God forgives me, who am I not to forgive my brother or sister? Amen. Um, good evening, brothers and sisters. It's been a great day today, and I'd like to start off, and I thank, like to thank God first for giving me this opportunity to speak in front of you and say his word. Spread his word, guys. All right. Um, I'd like to start off by opening to... James chapter 1, verses 22. Actually, verse, let's go with 19. Listening and doing. Uh, so my topic is um, we must read the Bible and do what the Bible says. And over here it says, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at, a face, at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves and their religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless in this is this 
to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Brothers and sisters, sadly this is, it speaks directly to our youth nowadays and um, why we must be, why we must read the Bible in the first place. It is our, we must dig deep roots into this Bible and um, we must know the Bible like the back of our hands, you know. And uh, a good example why we need to know the Bible is um, I was in school one day and I got into an argument with a friend and more friends went on to his side and it was about, I was trying to clear out something with them, you know. And, um, well, they used the Bible against me and I, well, didn't know my Bible as well as much as that person did, but weirdly enough, that person was not person in Christ. He was, he was a Christian, but something happened in his family and he became a non-Christian. And he knew more Bible than I did and he's a non-Christian. And so he buried me in these deep, deep just phrases that I don't even know if they are in the Bible or not. But anyways, I lost that argument. It was great. Um, and like to, I like to turn to Psalms 56, verses 1 through 5. Um, here it says, David talking, uh, Be merciful to me, my God, for my enemies are in hot pursuit. All day long they press their attack. My adversaries pursue me all day long. In their pride many are attacking me. When I am afraid, I put my trust in you, in God whose word I praise. In God I trust and am not afraid. And am not afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? Powerful verse. Powerful. And um, it says, in God whose word I praise. David clearly knew the Bible very well. And... Um, over here it says, my adversaries pursue me all day long. In their pride, many are attacking me. Pride corrupts. It's, it's what pride does. Anyways, he knew his Bible. He was firm with God, firm in God. And um, that's why I like to encourage you brothers and sisters in Christ. Read the word and do what it says. For we will be blessed. Good evening, brothers and sisters. Uh, today I'll be talking on the topic of Easter. Easter is a celebration of Jesus' resurrection and victory over death. In this world, people don't see uh, Easter as Jesus' resurrection. They see it as a story about bunnies, eggs, and hopefully we can all disagree on, on that point. Can we please open up to Acts 4, 32 to 33? Acts 4, 32 to 33. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all. When Jesus gave the apostles the witness of his resurrection, he didn't just tell them to sit there and not tell anyone that he resurrected. He wanted them to spread the word 
uh, that he resurrected and defeated death. In a lot of situations, we are and have to be the apostles that Jesus sent. If we know a person that is suffering with some disease in their life or depression or is not a believer, you have to be the apostle that spreads the word of God. Let's open up to 1 Corinthians 15.1 uh, 15, 15, through 3. 1 uh, Corinthians 15.1 uh, 3. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved. If you hold firmly to the word I preached to you, otherwise you have believed in vain. For what I received I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried and he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. In this verse it says that the word was given unto us and that the word that we are being saved by is about Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. And because of his death we have been saved. When we don't take a chance to tell someone about God, we are basically being disobedient to God because he gave up his life for us. And the least we could do for that is read the Bible, obey his word, and spread the word. Amen. Well, praise the Lord, brothers and sisters in Christ. Let us stand for prayer. I would like to pray before preaching. Thank you. Lord, we thank you and we praise you. We worship you for this time of service. We thank you, Lord, that we are able to worship your name, praise you. We thank you, Lord, that we are able to hear the public reading and preaching of your word. We thank you, Lord, that we are able to worship your name in spiritual songs and hymns that you have commanded and showed us, Lord, by example and by word. I thank you, Lord, that we, the body of believers, are gathered together in the house of prayer, worshiping and praising your holy and righteous name, for you are good and you are kind. And I thank you and I praise you for your word, that you revealed your word to us and opened your word up to us. And so I ask you, Lord, continue to open up your word to us. Open up your word to me, to my heart, to my mind, for I am in need of you, O Lord. Use me. A weak vessel, O Lord, use me and strengthen me. May you bless us. Open up our hearts, open up our ears, that we may hear your word, understand it, apply it, and live for your glory, and so abide in your word. We thank you for everything. Accept the worship, accept the praise, and hear the prayer and answer them. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, amen. Amen. You may be seated. It is a joy. And it is a pleasure to be in the house of the Lord, especially here with you at Youth tonight. May the Lord bless you and give back to you. Thank you. I first off would like to say a big thank you to, to Dennis, to Peter Kirchhoff, to Dennis the Darashka, to Max for accepting us. Thank you, Liana, Vita, and everyone else who's part of the team at Saturday School. May the Lord give back to you. We are on the topic in our series on the book of 1 John. And as you know, last Tuesday was the introduction. This Tuesday, we will be speaking on the topic that God is light. So if you can open up to the book of 1 John, chapter 1, verse 5. Again, that is 1 John, chapter 1, verse 5. We read these words. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you, that God is is light and in him there is no darkness at all 
Amen. If I were to come up to you, or if someone from the streets, a non-believer were to come up to you, and ask you this simple question, God is light, what does this mean to you? How would you answer them? If a non-believer came up to you and said, God is light according to the word that you read, what does this mean to you? Anyone want to volunteer an answer right now? I would like a two volunteers. You can say it out loud. Sure. That he is pure. Okay. Anyone from this side? If someone were to ask you, God is light, what does this mean to you? You said holy? Okay, holy. Let's have a few more. God is light. Apostle John here makes this statement after living with Christ, walking with Christ, knowing Christ, and growing in Christ. We have to understand that he wrote this letter of 1 John when he is very old in his age. And so he makes the statement that God is light. In order to understand, though, let's look earlier in verses 1. And he says this in chapter 1, verse 1. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which our eyes have seen, which we have looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest, and we have seen it and testified to it and proclaimed to you the, the eternal life, which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. What is he speaking here? Who is John speaking about? The answer is very simple. Who is it? It's Jesus Christ. Let's look here again. That life was made manifest. All right. Jesus Christ came, manifested himself. He opened himself. He revealed himself to us. It's important for us to understand this in the same way John chapter 1 the same author starts the same way. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. Who's the Word? It's Christ. Let's understand this. From the very beginning, Apostle John sees Christ, knows Christ, and now he says, God is light. So let's go through a few questions then. Why is God light? How is God light? Should I be concerned because God is light? It's not a question of if God is light here because we know that He is the light because Scripture claims. We'll look into that. And how is God light in my understanding? So in your understanding, in your mind, in your thinking, God is light, I'm sure you have some sort of thinking or definition of that. However, it's important for us to understand that it's not our thinking that matters. It's the way the Word defines God. After all, God is light. Inside Him there is no darkness. Well, as we heard earlier, He is holy, holy, holy. He is different, different, different. He's sinless. He's pure. He's righteous. And so all these things are according to Him and they are found in His Word defining who God is. So let's look at a few of these examples, right? Scripture shows us and Scripture defines who is God. And Scripture also 
reveals to us who God is. That is the point of having his word. God did not just leave us empty. He did not just leave us guessing or thinking of our own understanding. He gave us his word. He revealed himself in his word to us so that we may know him, understand him, and walk with him. Now there's a few things here in scripture that I would like to look at. Scripture speaks of darkness versus light, day versus night, awake versus asleep. We can go on with a few more that we can think for ourselves, clean versus unclean. And so scripture shows us these differences and uses these words for us to understand. If we open up to the book of 1 Thessalonians, let us see, for example, awake versus asleep. The book of 1 Thessalonians, chapter 5, verses 4 through 6. 5 verses 4 through 6. It says these words. But you are not in darkness, brothers. For that day to surprise you like a thief, for you are all children of the light, children of the day. We are not of the night nor of the darkness. So then let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. Verse 8, but since we belong to the day, let us be sober. Amen. I'll end there. Now here's another question for us. Scripture right here reveals and shows to us what day and night is, what light and dark is. And to your understanding, what is this? What is night and what is day? What is dark and what is light? What is awake? What is asleep? Does anyone want to answer that one? They're all very similar. Dennis wants to answer here. Oh, really? Um, oh, wow. Pretty sure. Well, I think um, I could be completely wrong. Well, don't answer if you can be completely wrong. Dang. Well, I see it like this. Are you enlightened or are you not enlightened? Are you aware of reality or are you not aware of reality? God bless you. Yes. Are you enlightened or are you not enlightened? All right. Thank you, Dennis. What about anyone on this side? What does this mean, to be asleep or to be awake? What about the, the parable of the ten virgins, the five that were wise and ready, the ones that were five, the other five were unwise, not ready? And Scripture calls us to always to be sober-minded. Now, this is why it's important for us to understand why God is light. Because Scripture reveals Him, Scripture defines Him, Scripture shows us who God is, and now we look, and to understand that God is light, we have to. Only Scripture, we only understand that Scripture defines Him. After all, He reveals Himself through His Word. There it is. It's his word. So God is light. His son Jesus Christ is the light. And that makes his word 
the light. As said earlier in the book of John chapter 1, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. That's Christ. So Dennis was right in the sense that saying, yes, are we enlightened by His Word or not? Are we still walking in darkness? Are we asleep? Or are we walking in light? Apostle John was able to make the statement that God is light, not because of some simple guess. It took years for him to know that. He walked with Christ. Now let's look at John's life for an example. From the very beginning, we see John. He was known as, with his brother James, sons of thunder. Remember the time when these two apostles were walking with Christ and the city rejected the message of the gospel. And so they turned to Christ and they said, can we call down from heaven fire upon this city and so burn them? He says, no, 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 don't do that. What do I have with you, right? He says, no. Time goes by and it's the same exact apostle who says, God is light. And then it's the same exact apostle who says, God is love. So, using Scripture to define who God is, that is the only way that we can go by. We can't define God by our own thinking, our own understanding. We use Scripture. So if I were to ask the question again, what does it mean to be asleep or awake? What does it mean to walk in night or in daytime? We have to see it through Scripture. We have to see it with an understanding of what Scripture says, what is night and what is day. And Scripture so defines us this. And it's simple because it says, don't walk in darkness. Walk in the light. Well, who's that light? Jesus Christ. And what else is that light? His Word. Why? Because His Word is Him. He is the Word. And so we walk in the light. We walk with Christ. We walk according to His Word. So we use Scripture then, as we read and grow in Christ, we use Scripture to shape our view on life. Scripture changes and renews our mind and how we think. It changes our mind and our perspectives of life. It changes our complete attitude towards where we are. It changes our morals. Why? Because Scripture defines what morality is. Scripture defines what is good and what is evil. Scripture defines what is darkness, what is light, what is evil, and what is good. Scripture tells us of what our actions should be like. As we heard in the sermon earlier, to take care of the widows and orphans in James chapter 2. Scripture teaches how our actions should be according to how Christ spoke to us. Scripture changes our understanding and our view on how families should look and how they should live, how they should be like. Scripture changes our decision-making in absolutely everything we decide. And you start thinking deeper into these things, and we have to. With Scripture, and all by Scripture and with Scripture, make our decisions according to His Word. Why? Well, it's because it's the light. And you want to walk according to the light and with the light. God didn't give us His Word and His rules and laws because He hated us. He gave it to us for His own good. Now let us imagine this. We live with no rules, no laws, we live with absolutely no guidelines. What do you think the world would look like? What would it look like? 
Chaos. Absolute chaos. I was watching a documentary this morning on the way to work about Seattle, and uh, the documentary was called Seattle is Dying. And it shows that the, the, the crime rate of properties is the second highest in the nation. It's because people do whatever. Prosecution, the prosecutors don't want to prosecute. Everyone's allowed to do whatever. And so the crime rate's going up. Good cops are leaving. There's one cop who was interviewed. He was a Christian. He says, Lord, I did everything I could. He was assigned to go and clean out a camp, an RV. So he went to do that. He cleaned it up. He impounded the vehicle. He did his job. And so one of his colleagues, not colleagues, but superior leaders told him to do it. He did it. The other superior leader came and yelled at him for doing that. You should leave the people alone, do whatever they want. He says, I had enough. I quit. You see, this is what happens when we live with no rules. Do whatever you want. Do anything. You see, God gave us his rule and his word for a reason, so that there may be some light. I, I enjoy hearing earlier the example of Psalm, the adversaries are against me, they're out there for me, yet it was a King David who wrote that, and he wrote the same words in Psalm 118, 105, the word of the Lord is a lamp to my feet and a light unto my path. You see, King David understood very well that the word was the light and it showed him where to go. You see, at that same time when King Saul, who was King David's adversary, was chasing him to kill him, and King David's hiding in a cave with his men, and so Scripture says that Saul went into the cave to relieve himself. He was not taking a nap. He was fully awake while he was relieving himself. If you understand the context, he was using the restroom. That's what it is. Okay, so King David is in the cave. Saul's somewhere in there. And so one of David's men says, kill him. Didn't God tell you that you are the next king? I'm paraphrasing. Has not God told you that the kingdom is yours? It's right here. Take him. And so King David comes up to him. And he draws his sword and he says to himself, how dare I raise my sword against the Lord's anointed? And so he just cut off a little piece of clothing while Saul was relieving himself. And then Saul is done. Saul leaves the cave. And so King David, I'm sure filled with compassion, filled with the word of God, comes out and says, Saul, you see this piece of clothing here? I did not want to raise my hand against you. How could I do such a thing against the Lord's anointed? And Saul wept and said, Oh, my son, is that you, David? You are more righteous than I am. Because Saul is on the chase to kill David. You see, the scripture quoted here. The friend comes along to David and said, But didn't God tell you, David? It's in your hands. Take it. So I'm sure David was so tempted. I could just wipe my enemy out. My sword is so sharp. 
He cut clothes without the person even knowing right next to him, on him. But he didn't allow that scripture being twisted to change him or his action. Why? Well, he knows the word and he was in the word and the word showed him. And scripture will also bring out heresy and expose it. If we look in scripture and we use it correctly, we have to understand that heresy will be taught. False teachings, false doctrines, whatever it may be. And the book of Jude and 2 Peter chapter 2 are actually very open about this. They express about Balaam and Balak, the false prophet Balaam, who did it for money. And so they go on and show examples about what false prophets are like and how they are like. And so scripture gives an example. And so scripture tells us exactly what's going to happen with the false prophets. And so scripture teaches us not to do that. Not to go that way. Not to go their way of error. But to stick to the word. To be in the word. Scripture will illuminate sin in our life if we come to, come to the word. The word is so light. Christ is so holy that the closer we come to him, we're going to see more of our specs. Now here's something practical. If you speak to a person who's a non-believer and you tell them, Christ save me, they will say, what did he save you from? You're a good person. You didn't do anything bad. You're not a murderer. You're not a rapist. You're a good person. What did he save you from? And so I would say, because I, I did say, he saved me from my sins. He saved me from myself, who I am. He saved me. He gave me life. He saved me from everything I've done. I'm such a wretched sinner. Oh, but you're not bad. Well, here's the thing. When we come to Christ and we read his word, his word shows us our imperfection, our sin, our pride, our fleshly desires. And so we understand the closer I come to Christ, He's light. The closer I come to Him, the more specks I see on myself. And the more I understand, God, you're so good, gracious, kind, and loving, and graceful because you saved me. Not because I'm good, but because you are good. And so the mentality of a Christian is totally different than the non-Christian. A person who was enlightened by the Holy Spirit is different than the person who was unenlightened by the Holy Spirit because the Word of God, His light shines on that person and so illuminates the path which they walk on. Scripture gives us discernment, right versus wrong. I would like to read this, Ephesians chapter 5, verses 8 through 14. Ephesians 5, verses 8 through 14 says these words. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light, for the fruit of the light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed... By the light, it becomes visible, for anything that becomes visible 
is light. Therefore it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Amen. Isn't that a wonderful passage? Arise and Christ will shine upon you. Scripture here, Apostle Paul says, try to discern. Now what is discernment? Discernment is knowing what is good and what is bad, what is righteous and what is evil. Discernment is something that only Scripture is able to change our thinking, our minds, and so our discernment. Hebrews 5.13-14 For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child, but solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. And so Scripture has been given to us so that we may discern good, bad, to do, not to do. Now we live in the time when we're saved by grace. It's not by the law like in the Old Testament. We're saved by grace and God has given us His Holy Spirit graciously and we thank Him for it. And He Himself came down to earth to save us from our sins. And I would like to read this passage, John 3, 19-21. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world and the people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out by God. Did you notice that here in this passage, John says, people loved the darkness. And then he says, hates the light. They loved darkness, they hated the light. You know, that's the world we just live in. And so I would like to share an article that I read just yesterday. Please listen carefully and pay attention. It's very Sad. It's not sad, it's tragic. But it gives us an example of how the world, the people in the world, love darkness and hate the light. I'll read. A jury on Wednesday found a Northeast Iowa mother guilty of murder in the death of her infant son, whose body was found in the maggot infested diaper. Cheyenne was convicted of first-degree murder and child endangerment resulting in death of her son, Sterling, died of malnutrition, dehydration, and infection. The baby's father, Zachary, 29 years old, was convicted in November of the same charges. Sterling was found dead on a mechanical swing weighing less than seven pounds. In the couple's apartment in Alta Vista, small city in northeast Iowa, feces in his diaper ate through his skin, allowing E. coli bacteria to enter his bloodstream and cause infection. The hot room was in attracted flies, which laid eggs that hatched into maggots while Sterling was alive. They crawled in his clothes and his diaper for days, prosecutors said. A forensic entomologist who examines insects on Sterling's body concluded the baby had been in the swing for 9 to 14 days in the same diaper. 
Autopsy photographs appear to show the boy wearing camouflage pants and a shirt with a cartoon cow above the words, let's play, bleeding from the mouth. Harris cried in court when prosecutors showed the jury crime scene photographs. At trial, Iowa Division of Criminal Investigation agent Chris testified Harris questioned her maternal care during an interview. And she told the agent of Sterling, I should have checked on him more. A babysitter testified the infant had a raw diaper rash and seemed underweight but ate hungrily. The courier reported, the, four, the first time she babysat Harris, the mother, left then the three-month-old Sterling and the two-year-old girl with her for 17 hours. The infant's father called 911 on August 30th and lied to the dispatcher when he suggested Sterling had died of sudden infant death syndrome. Sheriff's deputies found the, bodies, the boy's body in the bedroom separate from where the mother and father and the older child slept. I'll end the story there. The child was four months old. So if you listened carefully, the mother, the father decided to leave the diaper on. They didn't care about their child. And the child obviously died. The maggots that came, the E. coli that grew, the poop that was left in the diaper crawled and burned through his skin and so killed the baby. And so the father and the mother were given prison in life, for life. And so you think, okay, how sad, how tragic. A four-month-old baby dying such a way. But that's reality. Church, that's reality. The world did not like the light. It does not love the light. Luke 11.34 says, Your eye is the lamp of your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is full of light. But when it is bad, your body is full of darkness. We have to understand that Christians and non-Christians, those who are in Christ and those who are not in Christ are totally different people. Because if you're in Christ and your eyes are full of that light, if you're reading the Word, if you're in the Word, you're constantly being changed to be a light, to be a child of God. But if you are not filling your eyes with the Word and you continually neglect the Word, well then... Your body is full of darkness. And that's the world. So let me give you another example of a person who decided to fill their body with light. His name is George Mueller. Who's heard of him? He's a wonderful champion of Christianity. I love to read about him. So I'll take the time to read a couple of stories. It's a short easy read that I printed out and here's one story of George Mueller. The children are dressed and ready for school but there is no food for them to eat. The house mother of the orphanage informed George Mueller. George asked her to take the 300 children into the dining room and have them sit at the tables. He thanked God for the food and waited. George knew God would provide food for the children as he always did. Within minutes, a baker knocked on the door. Mr. Mueller, he said, last night, I could not sleep. 
Somehow I knew that you would need bread this morning. I got up and baked three batches for you. I will bring it in. Soon there was another knock at the door. It was the milkman. His cart had broken down in front of the orphanage. The milk would spoil by the time the wheel was fixed. He asked George if he could use some free milk. George smiled as the milkman brought in ten large cans of milk. It was just enough for 300 thirsty children. Now here's a story of George Mueller. He didn't live as a Christian. In fact, he wasn't a Christian in his lifetime. He was a drunk. He hung out at bars. He hung out with the wrong crowd. He disobeyed. He was arrested. He stole. He lived that kind of lifestyle when he was young. But then God got a hold of his heart. You see, and God changed him. And God, as you can say, enlightened him by the Holy Spirit. And so when you read the story about him and how he became a man of prayer, you'll see that this story I read earlier is just one of thousands of testimonies. In fact, by the time he died, he saved over 10,000 orphans. Let me read you this one story. When he became a pastor, George became a pastor of a small church in England. The church wanted to pay him a good salary from the money it received, renting pews to rich church members who sat in front of church. Poor members who had to sit in the quote-unquote cheap pews in the back. George told them that this had to stop if they wanted him to be their pastor. Even so, he did not allow the church to pay him a salary. He trusted God to meet his needs, and God did. George and his family never missed a meal and were always able to pay their rent. George began to sense, however, that God had a different plan for his life. And so he began to see the orphans towards the end of his life. Whenever an orphan was leaving his orphanage, he would give a Bible in one hand, and then he would put a coin in the other hand, and he would tell the orphan this. You don't forget the Bible in one hand, and the God that you read and serve will not forget to put what is in your other hand. Isn't that great? I love that example. That's what kind of God we serve. Ephesians chapter 118 says, having the eyes of your heart enlightened. And Psalms 19, 8 says, the commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eye. Here's the question for us then. If God is light, and if God has enlightened us, and we know that the word of the Lord is good, and that the word of the Lord is the light, then how do we walk according to the light. We have to use scripture to, first of all, let's remember this, shape our thinking. It renews our mind. The Holy Spirit changes us completely. Why? Because God is light. John chapter 8 verse 12 says these things. John chapter 8 verses 12 says this. I will open it right here. Again, Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. John ends in chapter 2, verse 28. Children, abide in him. Our commandment is this. Abide in Christ. Live for Christ. Be with Christ. 
He is the light that will enlighten us, illuminate it, the path. He will light up the path which we are to walk on. He will light up absolutely everything that we need enlightened. Because, you know, let's face it. We're human. We're saved by God's grace. But we're no better than that woman who left that diaper in the crib. The diaper on that baby. She needs a savior just as much as we need one. Don't you agree? I agree. She did a horrible thing. We're human. We're human. We deserve the wrath of God just as much as she does. But God, by his grace, he came. He was the light. He showed light to us what it is, who he is, why we need him, why we should be concerned if we're not walking in the light, and so on and so forth. So let's take this. As you read your word, the word is the light. The word will continue to renew your thinking. Read it. If you're not reading it, it's not going to renew your thinking. You're not going to be changed. You will not be changing as Apostle John did. But as we read his word, his light continues to show our imperfections, that we are sinners serving a wonderful Savior, Jesus Christ, who saved us. And by his grace and mercy, showed us the light. We don't want to walk in darkness. We want to walk in the light. Amen? Amen. Let us stand for prayer. Oh, Lord, we thank you. We thank you for your word that you are the light. We thank you, Christ, that there is no other way to be saved. It is by you. It is not by our works. It is by your grace, Lord, because you did all the work for us. You died on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins, O oh Lord, and I thank you for this. I thank you, Lord, because, O oh Father, you sent your Son, Jesus Christ, into this earth. You gave up your most precious gift, and that was your Son. And you waited for him 33 years as he was on this earth to save us, yet we humans hated the light. We rejected the light. We spat out the light. And then we killed the light. Oh, Lord, that was us humans. That is what we did. But you, by your mercy and you, by your grace, you accomplished the work on the cross, Jesus. And we thank you for this. We thank you that your word is pure and good. And it is the light that shows us the way of salvation. Your word shows us the light on how to walk into the kingdom with you and so be with you for eternity, oh, Lord. Not because of the benefits of being with you is why we serve you, but it is because we want to know you more at a personal level. And we thank you, Lord, for this. And we ask you, as we read your word more, may you continue to enlighten our hearts, enlighten our minds, our eyes, renew us in your word, by your word, through your word, so that we may walk according to your word and so abide in you, so that you may abide in us. And so that we, being the children of God, may be the light of the world, the light to the world in this dark place, in this cold place, O oh Lord. Teach us your ways. Help us to always serve you and love you. And always remember that you are holy. And we thank you, Lord, for the forgiveness of our sins. We thank you for this time, for your word. We thank that you revealed yourself to us. We thank you for everything. We thank you, Christ, that you have put us in this place. We thank you that we are in Christian households. We have Christian friends. We are in fellowship with you, O oh Lord, the light. 
And thank you that we have fellowship with one another. Thank you, Lord. And may your word continue to sharpen us, continue to train us, Lord, so that we may have discernment and wisdom how to live for you. We thank you for everything. And may you bless us. And to you be the glory in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. Praise the Lord. <clears throat> Praise God. He deserves the glory. Amen. Amen. Um, thank you. Thank you for the word. I enjoyed the worship. Honestly, I was just, you know, rejoicing. We need some fresh air and fresh stream in here, right? Praise God. <clears throat> welcome. If you're here first time, welcome. We're, we're glad to see you. We're glad to be with you and thank you for serving. Thank you, leaders, Andy, uh, for coming here, Dennis, Peter, and other leaders that serve. Um, may God bless you. You know, it's a tough, tough time to be a youth minister, a minister to serve young people. Because there's so much attention on youth. There's so many people that are interested to captivate and to steal um, your talents, your wisdom, your energy. There's a battle that goes on. And uh, it is so great to serve God. It is so great to be in the light, to walk in the light. Because the world is in the darkness. And we read Ephesians today. It says, redeem time. Cherish time. Use the opportunity that you have to glorify God. You know, that's one thing that distinguishes or makes a Christian person different from this world. They use their time for different purposes, for different, they have a different view on time. The time given is not for making money. The time given is not for bettering ourselves, for our, you know, to be better just because. Christian person has a different perspective on life because he's awake. He is awake. He is not asleep. But he is awake. Amen? Amen. Thank you. 